Hi, this is Dr. Peter Hercules, and this is an article I wrote entitled Captain of the Ship, Part 1. The majority of the clients in my medical hypnotherapy practice are female, and for almost all of them their romantic or sexual relationships are or have been heterosexual. Again, in most cases, these relationships have been problematic, often very problematic. Encountering this reality repeatedly has led me to explore what is wrong with their relationships, especially since the damage their relationships cause is often tremendous. What I find is that the central relationship problem is almost always the same. In order to understand how these women approach their romantic, sexual relationships with the men in their lives, I begin by asking them who they think should be the final decision-maker regarding issues that affect the couple, the man or the woman. I believe that if I had asked that question 60 or 70 years ago, most women would have told me that the man is the head of the household and that he should always make the final decisions. My clients never tell me that. Instead, what I am almost always told is that the woman and the man should be equals in decision-making. And therein lies the central relationship problem. I stress that these relationships are romantic or sexual, in many cases with possible reproductive consequences, as opposed to friend-type relationships. Since sexual connection is implicit, specifically sexual connection that might lead to reproduction, I ask the women, whose body enters whose body during this type of female-male sexual connection? They reply, of course, that it is the man's body that enters the woman's. I then ask them to tell me if someone arrived at their home and knocked on the front door asking to enter, and they were inside the home, who should make the decision whether the person knocking should enter or not? The person who wants to enter, or the person whose home is to be entered? They all tell me that the decision should be made by the person whose space is to be entered. I then tell them that since that is the case, and since the essence of the female-male romantic sexual relationship is that it is sexual, the key decision-making point is whether or not the woman allows the male to enter her space or not. While he can knock, it is her decision alone to allow or forbid entry. Furthermore, assuming that she does allow him in and they engage in typical sexual connection of a reproductive style, his reproductive objective is to deposit his sperm within her body. After doing so, his inherent role in the process of reproduction is done. He might never be seen again. She, on the other hand, now has his sperm within her body, and that sperm may fertilize her egg. If so, she then embarks upon a nine-month process during which a new human will develop within her. During those nine months, she will be providing everything that new person requires to live and grow until it reaches the point at which it can be born. 
that gestational process will have a profound impact upon her in a multitude of ways, rendering her generally more vulnerable. She, of course, will ultimately go through the birthing process and experience all the risks and challenges involved. Once the infant is born, it is the woman again whose body has the breasts that produce milk. For our ancestors, who for millennia operated within a natural system, this was the major source of nutrition for young children during the first four years of their lives, after which they were typically weaned. And once the child was weaned, the reproductive cycle was usually repeated. This is our human nature. According to our human nature, it is the woman who is the creator of life, the matrix from which life arises and flourishes, and the one who is infinitely more connected to the life process than the man. The male priority in the life process is to find a place to put his sperm. The female priority is everything else involved with creating and ensuring that life goes forward. According to the modern understanding of the story of life, it has been present on this planet for 3.5 billion years, a very long time. All living organisms are understood to have come from a common ancestor, and humans represent one facet of the totality of life presently. Life has a very strong drive to continue and so far it has been very successful. The life force within each of us is actually 3.5 billion years old. In a certain very real sense, we are all 3.5 billion years old. For a living organism, there is nothing of higher importance than life itself and its continuance. In humans, it is the females who are naturally given virtually total responsibility for life to continue. Therefore, it is the female who should be the ultimate decision-maker and the one in control of the process of life and of anything that relates to the romantic, sexual aspects and consequences of a heterosexual female-male relationship. According to the natural order of things, it is the woman who should be the captain of the ship. Females start ovulating and menstruating in early adolescence, and from that point onward, their connection to the life-reproductive process is intensified. They develop and mature to potentially take charge of the creation and successful continuance of the next generation of life. While adolescent males obviously also become sexually mature around the same time, their focus is different, seeking a site to deposit their sperm. As a function of the different degree and style of connection to the life reproductive process, the two sexes show different levels of awareness and intelligence in that regard. I commonly ask my clients to compare the average 20-year-old male to the average 20-year-old female, 
or 30-year-old male and 30-year-old female, or any equally aged male and female in terms of intelligence, understanding, awareness, and maturity regarding what is truly important in life. Universally, they indicate beyond any doubt that the female is superior to the same aged male. This is a generalization. Obviously, there is a range within both sexes and variability among individuals. There is evidence to show that the prefrontal cortex of the human brain in charge of the executive functions of the brain, key to intelligent and wise choices, of males takes about two years longer to develop than that of females. Furthermore, males lag far behind females in emotional maturation, according to one study by about 11 years. In terms of what life is all about, females are inherently more connected and more intelligent. Again, their natural place is to be the captain of the ship, the ultimate decision-maker. As the captain of the ship, it is essential that the woman understands and accepts her position, takes control of the wheel, and steers the ship in a positive, life-affirming direction. Most women that I encounter do none of the above, at least not sufficiently. For their part, most men are unwilling to allow women to take their natural superior role in life's hierarchy, leading to endless conflict and problems. Men are not absolutely essential in the life process beyond the provision of sperm. That said, the expression that it takes a village to raise a child is accurate. In our ancestral indigenous past, we lived in small tribes and co-parenting among various tribe members was the norm. The phenomenon of the single parent or the nuclear family or even the limited extended family was not how humans have lived throughout most of our history children of a single parent or nuclear family would not have survived in pre-civilization reality. We are naturally tribal creatures. Civilization has given us new options, although still virtually nobody is truly self-sufficient. Today, in Western society, the nuclear family is generally considered to be the norm. For the nuclear family, if a woman, as the captain of the ship, chooses to have a male on board her ship, typically the male providing the sperm, that male's role is to be the first mate, an aid to enhance the journey and ensure that it successfully arrives at its life-affirming destination. He should understand his lower status on board the ship and interact with his captain with appropriate deference and commitment to helping her fulfill her objectives. He should provide her, to the best of his ability, whatever he can offer her to make the voyage more successful, and in so doing increase the likelihood of his genetic material's long-term survival. Understanding that every person has limitations, 
he needs to be vigilant that the ship remains on course, and should respectfully advise her if he thinks that she might be steering it in a dangerous direction. The woman, of course, must do everything possible to maintain the ship on a life-affirming route and treat her first mate in an appropriate manner that will encourage him to assist her, while still maintaining her higher status. The male, the first mate, is not a slave. If he chooses, he does not have to be any woman's first mate. Typically then, however, he would significantly decrease the likelihood of his genetic material going forward in time. Most life-affirming captains would be hesitant to give a male's genetic material a free ride into the future. However, that possibility can occur, and he can explore that option if he wishes. But if he does decide to seek permission to board a ship, he would be wise to look for one traveling towards a life-affirming destination that he also wishes to reach, and with a capable captain that he would like to spend a great deal of time with, and under whom he would be willing to serve. There are presently over three and a half billion females on the planet, and so he has a vast number of potential ships and captains to choose from, although he would have to meet the requirements they demand. It may seem that only a weak, insecure, or inadequate male would consider accepting a lower status position than his female partner. However, I have observed that typically more intelligent, confident, and capable men have been the most open to this option. Rather than seeking submissive female partners to dominate, they prefer empowered females, understanding that aiding and following the lead provided by such women is key to a successful and enjoyable conjugal life. The female seeking a first mate should find one that understands his place and role, whose genes merit mixing with hers, is pleasurable company, who wants to travel on the same journey as she does, and who would be very useful in helping her meet her objectives. If he does not fulfill these criteria, she should not let him in on board. If she has already allowed a male on board, but she has not adequately assumed her role as captain of the ship, and discovers that their status and roles have not been properly defined, it is her responsibility to make the necessary corrections. In that process, if it turns out that she has made an error in her selection of her mate, and or the mate is not willing to operate within the corrected structure of things, it is her responsibility to ensure that he be removed from the ship. In such instances, she may subsequently decide to seek out another first mate to replace him. It is understood that all of this is typically easier said than done. However, it is an achievable objective. But if a woman does not even recognize the validity of this goal, it will never happen.
to restate, it is my position that for a human, female, male, sexual, romantic relationship to be successful, the woman should be the captain of the ship, the man her first mate, and both must recognize and fulfill their respective life-affirming roles on their journey together. I have an older male friend who is an extremely well-respected trial lawyer. He is a master at cross-examination and will do whatever it takes legally to win his case, and generally does. In his relationship with his wife, whom he openly calls the big boss, however, he advises that he avoids conflict. But if and when conflict does arise, while he respectfully makes his point, he never seeks to win an argument, because whether he wins or loses it, he loses, and he hates to lose. A few years ago I was in Spain at a beautiful café owned and run by a delightful female-male couple. I asked which of them was in charge. The woman declined answering, but her husband boldly declared that in Spain the man always has the final word. He then stated that this final word is si mi amor, which means yes, my love. Two intelligent men two capable female captains, two successful relationships. I will continue to explore this important subject in further writings. Please note that these ideas either originated from or were developed with significant input from the captain of my ship.